It is the spooktacular battle of the atom. This is your spooky X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to zombie. <laughs> I'm Adam. And I'm Zacula. <laughs> it's Count Zacula. Oh no. We have... Uh. 288 stories on our list. Oh, ha, ha. Ah, yes, 280-something spirits ah, looking to reside within our haunted house of X. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with the Dracula voice. <laughs> but I might slip back into it a little bit. It's one of those things where you start doing an uh, accent and then you can't really turn it off. Yeah. Yep. Oh, it's yep. wild. Hi, guys. That. We do an X-Men podcast. You probably know this by now. It's Halloweeners close to it. So we're going to talk about some Halloween stories. Yeah, we did this last year, right? But the, and the year before. Are, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, gosh. Wow. This is our third. This is our Halloween third special? Halloween special. This is. Holy moly. Let's let's talk about these. The first Halloween special. The first one we did. Mm-hmm. We talked about Inferno a lot. Actually, I think oh, we did. True. I think we did two Halloween specials because we talked about Inferno, and then we also still wanted to do Halloween stories. Yep, yep. Uh, and then we just did that again, and now we're doing it again because uh, turns out the X Men fight demons constantly. Yeah, there's a lot of like hell and, and devils and limbos and you know, and a lot of that stuff. And twin islands that have been separated due to the machinations <laughs> of some demons infecting the world <laughs> jury's still out on that one but i'm very excited for that plot to get resolved <laughs> uh i thought we were just gonna cover inferno again today isn't that what we're doing no we're not though we did talk about doing some more inferno stories uh but we <laughs> no, no inferno today we sort of an inferno sequel uh sort of i mean eh, no inferno adjacent Yes, yes. A continuation but. of some of the plot threads that were started in Inferno. Yes. Uh, but we decided uh, to talk about a couple of stories that have unique special connections to us, and then one that I just wanted to talk about later. Uh, <laughs> so this first one here is a crossover of sorts. Uh, you got Oh, yeah. You got a bunch of people jumping into this prestige one-shot. It's Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Punisher, Hearts of Darkness. Oh, man. Can I tell you how much I love this book? This yeah. is one of my favorites. Adam, <laughs> how, how much do you love this book? Uh, I love it so much that when I knew that I was going to have a chance to meet John Romita Jr. a couple weeks ago, I was like, all right, I'm bringing the X-Men Colossus uh, and Juggernaut bar issue 
what else should I bring? Oh yeah, Hearts of Darkness. <laughs> so even though I am a huge Nascenti JRJR Daredevil fan, I eschewed all of those floppies in, in favor of this trade paperback because it's great and it's JRJR with Klaus Jansen doing the inks. Um, Howard Mackey writing this like absolutely bizarre small town Blackheart story. And it's great. Yeah, Blackheart's in this one. You know about Blackheart, right? Yeah, Blackheart is really key. Um, it's a Nocenti creation from the Daredevil run that really comes to a head um, towards the end of that run. And uh, even though Nocenti isn't writing this, it's so fun to see uh, Blackheart come back and just like kind of torment this little town. And there are lots of stories around this era that are there's a constant theme through the late eighties, early nineties, which is, you know, how bad can these bad boys get before they become villains? And, uh, this is my favorite, uh, manifestation of that because it's basically like, all right, well, these are the three most like vicious killers in the Marvel U who are still considered heroes. Can I get them to like, take my father out? <laughs> there's, there's a quote that's on top of the page for ghost rider. We're, Wolverine Punisher Hearts of Darkness. Uh and it's it's from Ghost Rider, the Ghost Rider. This is Danny Ketch. He's the third Ghost Rider? Sure. Yeah, because there's there's Cowboy Ghost Rider, and then there's Johnny Blaze, who has the best name in all of comics. <laughs> uh then there's Danny Ketch, and then there's uh the one uh Hispanic lady whose name I cannot remember because I haven't read that run. I haven't read much Ghost Rider. I know she exists. And then there's then there's good Ghost Rider who has a car. <laughs> right. The current one, right? I love him. And then uh, there's Cosmic Ghost Rider. There is Cosmic Ghost Rider, but he's also Punisher, but not Wolverine. Right, right, right. Anyway, uh, Danny Ketch does say, It doesn't matter if there's an edge, or if we occasionally cross it. As long as the innocent are protected, our cause is just... Yes, which is also the the final uh, words of the crossover in which a small girl is holding Ghost Rider's hand and a rose is growing out of the ground. Um, <laughs> this is not subtle. Yeah, no. Uh, what happens here except for that uh, they go to the town of Christ's Crown? Again, not subtle Howard Mackey. Uh, and just fight some demons. I mean, that's pretty much what happens. Um, the, the story starts with a like satanic cult doing a human sacrifice at the top of a hill, which you think someone in town might notice and call the cops about. Um, and this summons Blackheart, who then just like just kills all of the cult members um, into, into, into skeletons. Blackheart, he... as played by Wes Bentley. Yes. <laughs> And then and then Blackheart just kind of like sends some very nicely written uh, handwritten notes to uh, Logan, Frank Castle and Danny Ketch, summoning them to this town in uh, in promise of like, I'll I'll help you reveal all of your secrets. Um, So Frank Castle shows up wearing a fake mustache, thinking he's fooling Wolverine, which is about the most ridiculous part of this story. It's very good. Danny Ketch, I guess, has not met the other two even well, though danny's pretty new at this time i mean this is 1991 and danny was introduced in what 88 89 yeah i i forgot 90. to look he up was introduced whether... in 90 so this is 
like a year and a half into him being the Ghosted Rider. Yeah, I have to look at the publication date to see whether New Fantastic Four had happened with Simonson at this point. But at the point that this takes place, like, Danny is not supposed to know who these guys are. Um, So anyway, I mean, the bottom line is Blackheart's basically like, you know let's let's duke it out in hopes that you can i can prove that you guys are super evil and uh you know i can prove to my father that humanity is like you know worthless and uh it, it it's really silly you know like it's a guy with knife hands a guy with a fiery chain and a guy with a, 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 an automatic weapon just like shooting at a giant demon and little green frog people coming out of the ground it's great okay Here's, here's the thing. I did some looking up. So, uh, Fantastic Four, uh, 348, uh, mm-hmm. which is the new Fantastic Four story where they want a more commercially viable Fantastic Four. So, they bring in Hulk, Wolverine, Spider-Man, and the Ghost Rider. Did come out in January 1991, where this came out in December. However, mm-hmm. in that new Fantastic Four arc, uh, Danny Ketch was possessed by Noble Kale. Oh, get out. I had no idea. That's an interesting little bit. Yeah, uh, which I know nothing about 90s Ghost Rider. I think he becomes another Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance evil boy. But I don't... <laughs> I don't really know. Don't quote me on that. Well, hey, it, it doesn't really matter. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the, the boys do manage to turn Blackheart into mush... So that Mephisto can have a little snack at the end of this uh, this this book, but I, the art in this is just so great. It's so cool to see Jansen inking uh, John Romita Jr.'s work, and uh, I, I like the colors on this too. There's there's a real um, you know vibrant colors uh, palette to this thing that's really cool, and uh, I just enjoy it. I don't I don't know. What, what did you think of this? I've been going on about it. Well, you should because it's your it's your baby. Um, I don't <laughs> like it as much as you. I'll just I'll just yeah. say that. Uh, to me, this is a fun, interesting comic, uh, but I wouldn't give it too much thought. Like the JRJR art is very nice. It's very good art. He did a good job with that. Uh, but it doesn't speak to me in the way that some other stuff does. Uh, part of it, I'm not a huge Punisher guy and i'm not a big ghost rider fan in anything except for the general concept because how can you not like you know flaming skull motorcycle boy uh (laughs) true so to me it just it doesn't land as well but i can definitely understand the appeal uh for people it's a it's a fun little self-contained thing it's a real showcase for a ramita uh it's not bad yeah, I mean, a lot of this has to do with just the the art showcase that's going on here, and uh, you know, it's got some some fun concepts that that flip over from that Nascenti run. So, uh, if you are a Daredevil fan of that era, you're absolutely going to love this. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. Is it like like a super meaningful story that everyone needs to read? No, but if you like uh, these characters, if you like this story, um, if you like your Wolverine. Uh, trade paperbacks, you know, one shots and prestige format. You got to check this one out. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's worth hunting down. Uh, frustratingly, it's not on that app. Uh, no, it drives me nuts that this is uh, not available 
Um, maybe it's that quadruple gatefold cover that uh, is, is making it hard to scan. Ah, uh, you could do a tri- quadruple gatefold <laughs> cover. It's a good cover. I was going to use it for the art for this episode, but no one has a good image of that online. Yeah, I guess uh, nobody wants to really like break the spine to do a good scan of it. I don't know. I don't. You'd think you'd think the Ramita family, with with their vast resources, would say, "Hey." Here's this one, guys. We did it. It's really cool, right? Buy a print. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Um, all right. Do we want to try and rank this? Uh, we this do. Bad like, like I said, there are 288 uh, spirits with unfinished business on this list. Uh, <laughs> the number one one is the Dark Phoenix Saga. Number 50 on our list is uh, Morlocks by Jeff Johns, one through four. A hundred on our list is What If Phoenix, uh, which is pretty good. I forgot about that one. That Mm. one's pretty good. Uh, Mm. 150 is Uncanny X-Men Annual 18, uh, which is the one where that Adam wrote, I think. (laughs) Right, in my time travel machine. Yeah, in your time travel machine. Uh, Number 200 is X-Men Evolution number 9, The House Party. Uh, Number 250 is I, Lucifer appropriately spooky and 288 the draco and whatever uh we don't have to talk about the draco it's bad though demon spooky in its own way oh it's everyone uh, everyone chewing on glue <laughs> yes okay um is this better or worse for you than uncanny mm-hmm. x-men annual 18 uh where's that at 150 150 Oh, so you're already higher than I was. Um, well, I'm just I, I'm just asking the question. I'm not well, saying right. for sure. I just went as a starting point to Spider-Man versus Wolverine from 1987 at 203. I think this is better than that. Um, um, in I would Wolverine I would one shot. I would ask this. This is actually incredibly uh, relevant. Uh, number yeah. 161, X-Men Ghost Rider Brood Trouble in the Big Easy. Ooh, I like this better. Uh, but I'm biased, you know, like this has been a personal favorite of mine for a very long time. So objectively, which one do you think is, is better? I'm probably more of a Jim Lee guy than I am a John Romita guy. Okay. Uh, but Mm -hmm. I'm probably more of a John Romita guy than a Mark Texera guy. Uh, which makes that that? I think. Does, think, does he do the art in those Ghost Rider issues? Hold on, hold on. We might cut this out. And Brood Trouble. I don't remember. I think it's Texera. We are in the right era. Like, we're in the right like place on the list, though, because this is similar to me at 163 uh, to Spider-Man Perceptions, the McFarlane Spidey Wolverine team. I like this better than Spider-Man Perceptions. Okay. All right. I do too, but I think like they're they're cut from the same cloth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ron Wagner did these, the Ghost yeah, Rider yeah, one. Yeah, excuse yeah, 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 yeah. me. Uh, and I like, I mean, same rule apply. I like Mark Texera better than Ron Wag- Wagner. So, mm, yep. Um. All right. How about you know? I'm looking up the list a little bit. At 158, we have Jump the Shark. I think i like this better than jump the shark how about you i think that's fair i'm not willing to put it above 156 which is new mutants aftermath i was gonna suggest we put it right below that what do you think 
157. That would put it right ahead of the Fear Itself arc of Uncanny X-Men. It would put it above the Fear Itself arc of Uncanny X-Men. And here's the thing. If we're going by transitive properties of all this stuff, I like Matt Fraction as a writer better than Howard Mackey. Okay. So However, uh, but mm, er. I, I like John Romita Jr. a heck of a lot better than Greg Land, so it can go above <laughs> that. All right, so it's our new 157. This is our new 157. Uh, it's the X, it's Ghost Rider, Wolverine, Punisher, Hearts of Darkness. Weird that Ghost Rider gets top billing. I always wondered about that. Why is Wolverine not the headliner on that? It is might... that because Stanny catches the first like Marvel hero who appears in the story? I don't think like, so. Are they going it for like appearance credit order? I, I don't understand that. I think it's either A, because uh, Ghost Rider was the hot new thing yeah, at the time, or mm-hmm. B, uh, Howard Mackey was writing Ghost Rider, and he wanted Ghost Rider to be the star of the story. That, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and he is kind of the POV character of the, of the story. Uh, where are we going next? This was something I had not read, but I really enjoyed. Which is interesting, because I wasn't sure how you would feel about this. Uh, This is X-Men, Volume 2, Number 75. It's called Anatomy of a Monster. Yeah. With Joe Kelly writing and uh, Herman Garcia doing the artwork? Yep. Oh, with with, uh, Art Bear and Dan Panosian. Oh, geez. There's like four inkers on this thing. Yeah, Scott Hanna and John Holdridge also inked. There we go. It's an oversized issue uh, to celebrate the 75th uh, issue of X-Men Volume 2. Now, how much of the Joe Kelly uh, run of X-Men have you read? Um, I've read a couple of sporadic issues in here, but I'd never read the entire, like, maggot arc uh which this is part of <laughs> yeah okay so the joe kelly x-men is essentially uh it's the time when the x-men were maggot and marrow and cecilia reyes uh which works surprisingly well that's the thing that's the thing everyone 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 gave me so much crap when i said no maggot's good actually y'all are crazy because no one had read these issues they were in 1998 and the people who read them in the 90s were pissed off because all of their x-men that they knew and loved were gone uh, and they brought in all these chuckle guys, uh, and Maggot had a weird power. That's fair, but like Joe Kelly does it well. Joe uh, Kelly does, does it, it really well, very, very well. And and the premise behind this, uh, the, at least the beginning of this issue, is that Maggot believes that his digestive uh, slugs, Eni and Mini, are murderers, um, which had been an then- ongoing storyline for like the last four issues. Right, and he is just like so mad at his slugs. It's great. Yeah, y'all, y'all. I don't think we've actually talked about Maggot too much on this show. Uh, if you followed me for years on social media, you're well acquainted with uh, Japeth, uh, our blue slug overlord. If you're not, Maggot is a South African mutant, uh, and his power is that his digestive tract is two slugs that come out of his body and eat stuff for him, and then when they uh, come back to him, they can transfer their power to him, and he can get big and strong and blue. Yeah, they're also kind of like, they're they're kind of alien, but also kind of robotic looking. It's such an interesting character design. Yeah, they can eat through anything, which is great. Yes. I also appreciate uh, that, like, in his initial appearances, he was colored blue, but by this point, he is being drawn as an African 
uh, which is great. He's got brown skin tones. Yeah, it's it's good. They I like I really do like that they realized, man, guys, we got a lot of blue X Men. We may actually <laughs> have more blue X Men than we have black X Men. We should we should probably like maggot. Let's 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 let you switch back and forth. This can be your powered up mode if you want. <laughs> this can be maggot going Super Saiyan. Yeah, but we've got a good lineup here. Storm is here. Rogue is here. Um, Wolverine is pissed because I think he thinks that Maggot attacked him. Uh, he thinks got... the Maggots attacked him. Very different. Yes, yes. Um, but that is actually not what's happening. And instead, we get this uh, really interesting new version of the Nagari, um, who we've talked about before on this show. Yeah, we have. We have. Uh on our first Christmas episode, I believe, actually. Right, right. Yeah, they're they're sort of like not the brood. They're the other sort of uh, alien-looking creature. They're the, they're the demons that live in the X-Men's lawn. <laughs> wait, <laughs> right. wait, 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 wait. What if all of this dumb, uh, great dumb Akroa, Krakoa's twin brother, who is holding all the whores of hell? Yeah, yeah. What what if what if it's connected to the Nagari? I would put that would, money that it's connected to the Nagari now. I don't know. That would be pretty intense. Um, what's happening here is that there's all these sort of monoliths popping up. Uh, we all know that there was the quote unquote cairn uh, that was sitting in the Xavier Mansion's backyard, but now it is uh, it's growing, and there there are these monoliths uh, growing all over the world. I guess yes. Um, and the, the Nagari look distinctly different than we've ever seen them before because they're not the Nagari. No, they are the Rutai, uh, yeah. who were the Nagari's slaves until they had a slave uprising led by their leader, Pilgrim, with two M's, so you know he's mm-hmm. serious. Uh, they look vaguely like maggots slugs, uh, and they're mad at being slaves, but they're also still demons, so they do want to destroy everything. Man, they just, I love the the first panel where you really see them. It's such a cool character design. They're like these bejeweled cross between like a, a brontosaurus and a velociraptor with like all these rings and, jewel, and jeweled necklaces and dreadlocks. And they're just weird looking. They're fun. Yeah, they're kind of wild and I kind of like them a lot. Yeah. No one's they're... ever brought it back up. No one's ever mentioned them again, uh, but they're they're great. Yeah, so Pilgrim does bear more than a passing uh, resemblance to Eni and Meanie because he has all of these red eyes, which is similar to what they look like. Um, but uh, everything kind of works out here. Uh, we, we we save the day. They fight. I guess. Yeah, Marrow yeah. Marrow fights. Marrow's great in this one. Uh, right, Marrow's here. Yeah, Marrow's written really interestingly. This isn't the showcase for Marrow that some of the other issues in this run are, but yeah. it's a uh, it's a fun showing for her. Uh, Cannonball's here, and Cannonball's fighting with uh, Storm and Rogue for most of the issue mm-hmm. on behalf of Marrow because they're like, "Hey, she sucks. Actually, she's really mean, <laughs> and she tries to stab people. Can we let let her go?" Uh, I did rip her heart out the one time, and that didn't take. So we could try that again, though. 
Well, and what's great about this story is that the resolution is that the, the, the pilgrim realizes the, the error of his ways because Wolverine was actually considered God by the Rutai based on something that happened in the Wolverine solo series. Which I'm not clear on, but yes. <laughs> read, so, read every issue, don't have a dang clue. Yeah, uh, so Pilgrim has sort of like a, a nice shiny statue of Wolverine that they worship. And Wolverine's like, oh, I that's me. Okay. Um, but I don't know, there's some really fun action here. Marrow is great here, Maggot is great here. I like the team interactions. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, guys, that Joe Kelly run, secretly underrated. Uh, they reprinted it in, I think they called it X-Men Gold Volume Zero. Yeah, that came out recently, didn't it? The, the trade paperback of the run? Yeah, in the last couple of years. Go check it mm-hmm. out. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I I also, I mean, I know there's a variety of inkers here, but uh, I really enjoy the art on this issue. Yeah, Herman Garcia does a very nice job of selling it. I like some of the use of uh, color that Digital Chameleon, the coloring house that did this, mm-hmm. uh, uses here to add some differences between the woods and the city and then the hell dimension that they all live in for a little bit. Yeah, but it, it's not using like a ton of gradients. It, it's pretty clean the way it's all put together. And uh, I just... I enjoyed reading it. It was fun to read this issue of comics, not knowing the context of it. Um, and just seeing these fun monsters get to play with this version of the X-Men. I totally agree. Now, <laughs> now on our list, we have a uh, Nagari story that we talked about earlier at number 99, which is uncanny X-Men 143 demon. And this is not as good as that. No, it's not. That's, that's a classic. Um, Look, that's that's not a bad thing to be not as good as. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, not at all. Um, now we have had we haven't had a maggot story yet, but we have had a marrow story. So we're oh, that's we're way sh- down. That's way down low on the list. I was not going that low. No, I'm that's at two seventy or that's at two twenty seven right now. That's the G Nation story plus Iceman and Rogue's road trip. Right. Um, so. Well, we know we're in between here somewhere, and I would probably put this, um, let's see. I'm going to, I'm going to throw out a number. I want, I want you to just react, just react. Use your gut here. All right. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think this might be better than number 134, X-Men versus the Agents of Atlas. I think you might be in the right place. Like at 131, we have the Rogue Mini, which is really fun. Um, I, I don't think I would put it above 129 and 130, which are two of the Aussie X-Men stories. Um, but like at 137, we have the Bishop Mini. Like we're in the right area here, I think. Yeah, I like it better than the Bishop Mini. Here's what I'd actually say. Okay. I'm looking right above that. At 132, you have New X-Men Childhood's End slash Crusade, which I think is better mm-hmm. than this. Okay. 133, you have that one-shot Gold Balls issue. Uh, Gold Balls, who shoots eggs. He's he's a goose. He's a goose who lays golden eggs. <laughs> right. Co-star of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. And just Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, not the Roll Doll book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is superior in every way. Yes, and we will not talk about the Tim Burton version, which is just uh, an abomination. So uh, it's just a I, it's just a bunch of choices, Timothy. Uh, 
Tim, you you had it for a while, man. What happened? Um, all right, so this is going to be our new one thirty three. Uh, I'd say right below the gold balls issue, so making it one thirty four. That works for me. All right, so one thirty four is X Men seventy five. It is a great showing for that. Uh, but That's we fun. I, I got to read that arc now. Yeah, uh, like the, the rest just, of it around. Just start with X Men seventy. And just read up um, until they unceremoniously completely just throw away the entire, like, nine issues up through it. By the time mm-hmm. 80 rolls around, they you've read it. It's the uh, when Cerebro gets mad and makes its own X-Men. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they kicked out Cecilia Reyes and Maggot and Cannonball. gets sent back to generate or sent back to uh, X-Force. And they bring back Excalibur, and it's it just that's that's when X Men loses its steam until Grant Morrison shows up. Mm, yeah. All right. So uh, you did mention both new X Men before, and we were talking a little bit about Inferno. Uh, when I think Inferno, I think Ileana Rasputin. So uh, where are we going next here? Uh, remember how at the end of it. Uh, End of Inferno, Ileana Rasputin both dies and is turned into a baby. I do remember that, uh, only to later die of the legacy virus, so she's dead. Yeah, she's gone for a really long time, and then eventually she comes back and becomes the biggest deal. (laughs) And one of the more bizarre ways to bring a character back as well. I'm not clear here what's uh, necessarily going on. All right, so the story we're talking about is The Quest for Magic. This is New X-Men 37 to 41, written by Thor Ragnarok writers uh, Craig Kyle and Chris Yost, uh, with pencils by Scotty Young, and Nico uh, Henry Sean uh, does some essentially splash page pinups in uh, 37. Hmm. Uh, this is the story about how Blindfold told this story about how magic came back, uh, which was House of M screwed everything up and uh, Belasco made a copy of a photocopy of magic, uh, but it was missing her soul. Yeah. Uh, and now she has a pet nastier and needs Pixie's soul so she can kill Belasco. Yeah, she's um, mad well, about being alive and has decided oh, to yeah. take over all of hell with her full dark child persona and her very large axe. <laughs> well, maybe we should start with the first issue, uh, which is uh, New X-Men 37, which is a really fun way to introduce this story. Um, you know, Rockslide is trying to impress the rest of the team and uh, Blindfold is basically like, well, let me tell you a spooky story. And she begins to tell what we think of as the the magic origin story from the mini, but then it suddenly becomes clear that she's not talking about the past tense anymore. Um, at which point <laughs> the floor explodes and they are sucked into limbo. Yeah. Belasco uh, just, he's mad at the X-Men and says, I'm going to murder all of your children and I'm going to bring them back to life. And then I'm going to murder him again and then bring them back again and murder him again. <sighs> now, I want to particularly highlight uh, some of the absolutely beautiful storybook pages that Nico uh, Henry, 
Henry Shaw. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but the, the, that issue alone is just artistically so fun to look at um, as, as blindfold tells the story. Um, my main complaint about this arc might be that what you just described is kind of like the whole story. Like we get three solid issues of like Belasco torturing the new X-Men, which is, it wears a little thin by the time we get to the end of the story. I think the Belasco parts do wear thin. What doesn't wear yeah. thin for me is uh, the the new X-Men who aren't captured by Belasco, which is like Rockslide, Aonole, uh, Pixie, and is it Loa? I forget uh, who yes. else. Yes, Loa is there. Yeah, they um, uh, they get confronted by magic or the Dark Child, uh, more precisely, and they have to survive in hell. And what's interesting here is like that wasn't the cast of New X Men at the time. Rock mm-hmm. Slide was, but like Annalee had been in the background. Pixie had been in the background, uh, and this is a big moment for them because they really step up as characters, uh, and this is where they become like fan favorites. Oh, yeah. Like, you can start to see some of the, the interactions that we just absolutely love from these guys. Um, this is the arc where Anale gets his arm cut off and then it grows back, <laughs> which we were informed at the Dawn of X panel was just forgotten about at a certain point. Yeah, uh, it happened. It, they also forgot that Anale got super buff for a while. Well, yeah, all those characters uh, aged up um, in the Extraordinary Era, and we all just sort of overlooked that uh, afterwards. Much like everything else at the Extraordinary Era, we're saying it was a gas leak and moving on. Yes, where is Sapna? Uh, we're still wondering. Not that was that a sword, great, apparently. That was a great joke involving Terrigen Mist, and I hope some of our audience got it, because Adam didn't. Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, so it's a big beat em up and we do get some really fun character moments. I think you mentioned uh, while you were reading this that you really liked Dust and uh, Mercury teaming up here. Oh, they're um, great. They're great. Those yeah. are the, Dust and Mercury are two of my favorite of these new X-Men kids, which I get a lot of flack for saying aren't as developed as they really should be for as much as some fans want them to be the only X-Men out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I stand by that. I will say as as much as I love Scotty Young's cartooning work, I think that his artwork here in some places works better than others. Like this seems to be a story that, you know, wants to be taken very seriously and have a lot of sort of violent gravitas to it. But at the same time, it's using a, a language that is, I, I don't know, you know, a lot more cartoony than I might expect to be paired with this particular uh, conflict. Would you, See, would, I, what's your take on that? I disagree. I love Young's art here. Okay. Uh, because, again, this is a dark story. Mm-hmm. And his art, his demon design, the way he depicts the fighting and the violence really helps undercut uh, some of the more gruesome and darker elements of this arc. If it was drawn by, say, uh, like Clayton Crane. Uh, <laughs> with, yeah. You remember... <laughs> Imagine him drawing this one. It would be very bloody and probably a little much for this teen book. No, I, I, 
it's just an interesting contrast. It's not that it's bad. It's it's very good visual storytelling, and it allows for there to be this very like fluid action to everything. Um, there's this great moment in the in the last issue of the arc where Mercury covers the Dark Child uh, to almost simulate the silver armor that she had in Inferno as she's attacking uh, Belasco. But th- there are a couple moments here in the story where I, I was just like, okay, you know, it's an interesting contrast. Um, but at, overall, I think this is a really cool story that that highlights a lot of this cast in a really good way. And, uh, you know, I know that some of these plot lines have been kind of dropped, unfortunately. Like, I don't, did they ever really address Pixie's, you know, soul and attachment to the... yes. Uh, was that ever dealt with eventually? Yeah, it's dealt with. It's dealt with in like five other miniseries. Oh, okay. So yeah, you just deal. haven't read those. There's a bunch. Uh, uh, CB Sibalski wrote like half of them, uh, and they're a varying quality. Uh, but as CB, you know, yes, as CB. All right, great to hear. It's <laughs> it's important to make that distinction. Apparently, yes. <laughs> uh, but a question. You're not wrong. But, like, by the end of this arc, the X-Men show up. There's a moment where Colossus sees magic, and that snaps her out for just a minute for her to disappear. Mm. Yes. So the X-Men know that magic is out there. They know that they can rescue her. And Colossus does want to rescue his snowflake. Yes. Uh, and that becomes a plot in, like, four or five other books. <laughs> Well, and we are also establishing why these new X-Men characters are so antagonistic to magic when uh, she does eventually uh, come over into the world. Yeah, so. yeah, she stole one of their souls and then did it like <laughs> three more times. So, look, Pixie in particular is allowed to think that Ileana kind of sucks. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but if you are a fan of magic as a character, if you are a fan of the magic mini um, I think you're going to get a lot out of reading this because it's it's a return to a, a fan favorite character and it's done with a very appealing story. I, I think the only thing that really drags this down for me is just the length of time that is dedicated to like Belasco torture scenes. Like I, I, I got to think that there might have been a more useful way of delaying the final battle. <laughs> <laughs> I can agree with me. that. I can agree with yeah. that. Uh, so now that now that we've talked about it, we should rank it, right? That's what we do here. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I I think I liked this better than uh, you were just talking about Childhood's End at one thirty two. Yes, uh, I I think this has a, a lot more dynamic energy to it. It does. I like it better than that. I'm looking around the list. I don't like it better than another Scotty Young comic. Giant Size Little Marvel AVX at 113. Mm, yeah, that I think is really just letting Scotty Young cut loose in the most Scotty Young way possible. Um, I also don't think it's as good as the Jim Lee Uncanny X-Men stuff around 275, which we have at 114. Okay, that's... Um, is it better or worse than, uh, mm, it? Mm, mm, mm. Is it better or worse than Extraordinary X Men Seventeen, the one where Storm's really good? 
Uh, where do we have that? We have that at 124. 124. You know what? I think I would be willing to put this... You're in the right spot because, like, I feel like it's about the same quality as, like, Cross Time Capers or that yep. uh, arc of X-Men Legacy that we have there at 122. Um, I don't know if it's as good as the Web of Spider-Man Annual 2 with Warlock. I don't think it is. Warlock becomes Godzilla in that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think that might be a ceiling there. So is this better or worse than uh, the that X-Men Legacy arc, 231 to 233? I like the Legacy arc better. The ne- okay. That's the Necrotia arc of Legacy with Proteus. Uh, yes. So I think I like this better than Cross Time Capers, though. Okay. We'll put for it at... 123? We'll put it at 123. A good showing for those new X-Men. Yeah, we seem to uh, keep stumbling into arcs of that that we enjoy. Again... I don't hate New X-Men as a book. I don't think it's the be-all, end-all of books. I just think some of the characters are not as developed as some people like to say they are. Mm, yeah. but Also, you know, sometimes... I hate Hellion, but that's that's a me <laughs> thing. Yeah, Hellion is not great. But uh, anyway, it, it, there's enough of those characters that I can totally understand why there's like a cult following behind some of them. Because... They're fun, and they, they have good designs and interesting power sets. And uh, anyway, check that Honestly, one out. Honestly, their, 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 best, their best feature is that they all have very good designs and silhouettes. They, mm-hmm. make, they make such good wallpaper, it's not even funny. That's not even an insult to them. It's just that you can draw them in any scene, and you can mm-hmm. recognize them, even in a crowd, each and every one of those characters. I think that's very true. Um, and, and I don't know. It, it's fun to read. So, uh, all right, that was three spooky stories. Yeah, my nose got stuffed up, so I'm not going to do the Dracula thing anymore. Uh, but if you want us to talk about whatever stories you want us to talk about, uh, you can go on over to patreon.com, uh, look for Battle of the Atom, it will be there, and you can donate money at whatever level you want. But at the $2 a month level, uh, we'll handcraft a whole story around a, uh, a arc that you want us to talk about. You probably know how this show works. If not, go listen to another episode. I don't feel like explaining it today. Please give us money. Please and thank you. Uh, <laughs> you can also find all of our episodes at XavierFiles.com. That's where you get the latest and greatest in X-Men news, reviews. Uh, we just had an article go up last week about the book Marauders called Marauders, uh, which is great. Christy Enneman and Michelle Gillipoli do that, and... Uh, I, I think they did an incredibly good job. This week we are going to be talking about Excalibur uh, with a friend of the show, Charlie Davis, and Women Write About Comics uh, editor-in-chief, Nola Pafu. Uh, so that's going to be good. Oh, man. This is a, this is a like, really great lineup of people working on these, uh, these, these write-ups. It's very exciting. I'm very excited about all of them. Uh, also, <laughs> in my neck of the woods... Uh, on Friday, when this episode comes out, November 1st, uh, you get a chance to experience Boko no X Anime, the new X-Men anime podcast <laughs> that me and Luz Bianca are doing covering the X-Men anime. That's exciting. There's that a trailer I... for it at the end of this episode. We'll actually be putting the, uh, first episode of that on the Battle of the Atom feed, at least temporarily. Uh, just mm-hmm. so you guys can get a taste for it. Uh, and then, you know, 
you can go over and subscribe uh, to it. <laughs> the feed, mm, the feed may or may not be live on iTunes by the time this episode goes up. If it is, I'm gonna link to it uh, in this one. If it's not, I mean, guys, it's just I'll I'll be talking about this for twelve more weeks, so get used to it. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear about this. Adam, what what what's up? What's up, buddy? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. We are uh, only about two weeks away from the end of the Kickstarter campaign for the Bish and Jubes Collected Edition trade paperback. Um, at the time of this recording, we are just shy of the uh, next level, which is going to give us um, two new trading cards by Peter Nguyen. Um, I'm assuming that uh, by the time this airs, we will probably have crossed that threshold, mm-hmm. um, which means that we would probably be going to the next uh, stretch goal, which would be two additional cards by um, IDW Transformers artist Bethany McGuire Smith. So Peter um, is slated to do Fracture Planet and Mercalli, who are the alternate universe Shatterstar and Richter. And um, Bethany is uh, slated to do, if if we get up to that level, um, both Grimlock and Warlock. So uh, if you have not um, gotten your order, your pre-order in for the paperback, I highly recommend you do. You can link to that through uh, both of our Twitter accounts or just search it on Kickstarter. Um, but as of right now, you're already getting like eight trading cards um, without even selecting a higher tier. So... Um, pretty cool stuff happening here and uh, we hope that uh, you will pledge some support yeah uh, I'm very excited about it it's (laughs) look it's good the artists he got are really good including some of my favorite artists and then he got a robot person to do the robot boys that's so (laughs) I didn't I didn't recognize her by name and then I recognized her by reputation when I saw her work and I said oh right right yeah she should draw the Transformers character in this robot alien good space boy. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, so far the, uh, the trading cards uh, have been really, really successful. So um, maybe this should have been just a trading card Kickstarter, Adam. I don't know why you wasted three years writing this very good comic. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah. Uh, next week, guys, we are going to be talking about uh, animals living at the X mansion. I don't know what animal noises that are. I think it was a it was a cockatoo. (laughs) Until then, this has been Bow the Adam. We hope you survived the experience. The world needs a podcast. One brave enough to challenge how anime and X-Men work. One willing to rise like a phoenix above the others. Coming November 1st. Boku no X Anime! This prestige, 12-week podcast will cover the entirety of the 2011 X-Men anime. All the twists. All the turns. All the nonsense. So join me, Zach Jenkins. And me, Who's Bianca? Four. 
Boko no Exanime!